0: Welcome in to another Hoopstradamus podcast. I am joined by our lovely team member, Hami and Hami, how are you doing on this beautiful Sunday?
1: It's a beautiful, it's really a beautiful day outside. It's like, I. it's actually suspiciously really nice. Yeah. Uh, I know yesterday was really nice as well, but today is supposed to be like really great here in the Chicagoland area. Uh, so I can't wait. I'm, I've been, I'm in a very new uh, game uh, i mean i've been very like kind of like a new hobby i guess i'm playing disc golf a lot so frisbee? Uh, yeah disc golf frisbee disc golf
0: oh i know that it's where you th- you
1: throw the frisbee and it, it, yeah. there's like a net basically yeah we used to play yeah, that a little basket and uh, yeah I've been completely addicted since the end of june so i've been playing like uh, you know at least when it's been really hot or whatever outside it's a really good workout because you're just walking and throwing you know uh, and then uh but, you know, when it's windy, it gets a little tricky, you know, so. Oh, I can yeah. imagine. Otherwise, I've been doing great. How about you, man?
0: I've been doing good. I just got back from the gym, and you know what? It's really nice. They got a nice setup there. Um, actually, where I am, believe it or not, is the SAC Center. It is currently the practice facility for the Chicago Sky. It used to be the Chicago Bulls practice facility.
1: Very cool. Yeah. Oh, so that's where you work out.
0: That's where I work out. And there, if you, right. on, the, on the other side of the facility is the basketball court. It's got the Bulls logo on it. It's got the Sky logo. Banners. Yeah. It doesn't have any banners, unfortunately, because they moved oh. out. Right, right, right. But still, it's it's, it's uh, such attitude, a cool...
1: Yeah, it's like right next to... the. You know, it's got the college three-point line,
0: NBA, it's got everything. It's a beautiful that's court. Amazing. It is great.
1: That's a, that's, that's a hell of a place to work out, man. That's great. I used to see the sky all the time when I used to work out. All the time. When I'm that's home. That's great, man. That's... Wait, like, like in the last couple years...
0: They're not there right now because they're in the bubble. But when they're oh, like when they're playing regularly, I see them all the
1: time working out. it. you, got you. That's great. That's awesome. It is fun. But speaking We're of fun, gonna, we'll do an episode dedicated to like our personal interactions with NBA players or something like
0: that. I will definitely awesome do that. Cool. That's a good one. Yeah. I will have to talk about the the times I went to the the Bulls used to have a charity dinner and I went there for two years. They used to hold it at the Bertel Center. That awesome. took me for two years. It was a lot of fun. I still got all the ball, the basketball, and the banner from it. But. We have a lot of basketball to cover. And we will begin with last night. Skinny Mello going off for the Portland Trailblazers. It came up short. But didn't it feel good to see Mello play at such a high level like that? Just to show he's still he's still mellow to a certain degree, and it felt great
1: to see that. Yeah, I felt really bad for him, especially after like the fallout in Houston, because I didn't really think like that was like, necessarily his fault or anything. Because, from what I saw, at least in Houston, maybe he was kind of a ball stopper sometimes, but he it seemed like he just caught, he just catch and shoot all the time when he was in Houston. You know, like he'd just be passed to, and he'd be missing a lot. Like, he, he wouldn't be, like, shooting really well. But, yeah, like, I, like, it, it's kind of similar to Derrick Rose. You know, when Derrick Rose is coming back from injury, everyone's like, he's gone, he's washed, you know, he's done like that. But he, he like, the bounce back, like, he's, he's too athletic to not be in the league, you know, like Derrick Rose. Carmelo Anthony's way too skilled to not be in the league now.
0: I agree. Carmelo Anthony is probably, in my opinion, like, we look at skilled scorers. The best scorer in the league before Kevin Durant was Carmelo Anthony. It wasn't even close. It was Absolutely. by a wide margin. And now, I'd say, the, you know, still, the three best pure scorers that we've seen, I think, in the last 20 years, besides Kobe Bryant or Carmelo. Durant and probably James Harden yeah so to say a guy like that Carmelo Anthony can't put up numbers I think is absolutely ludicrous we've seen his ability to do it and we saw his ability to hit the big shots he hit the big three against Memphis didn't have a great game in that game but when it came down to crunch time they gave the ball to Melo because they trusted him to make the shot because he's done it so many times and they had they put up a great fight they shot forty-seven percent from the field, forty-eight percent from three. But when LeBron and AD combined for, I believe they combined for seventy-seven points, seventy-nine points, nineteen rebounds, and fourteen assists between the two of them. It's a tough night for you to win a game.
1: Yeah, LeBron Anthony's his like his legacy. Is, is, it gets demoted because he's in the same class as LeBron. So like everyone's just and like, Dwayne Wade try to compare the two and Dwayne Wade. And Dwayne Wade, yeah. So, like, and Dwayne Wade, he was the first guy to, like, get, oh, I guess Milicic, right? But Wade was, like, the first, like, star to get, like, success right away, right? Yeah. yeah like, you know, got the, the right team built around him. Melo had, did have a decent team around him in, like, 08, 09, stuff like that, and doing with Billups and stuff like that, too. But he never really had, like, like the Nuggets were in the playoffs every year, but they are just, like, in basketball hell. Fourth, fifth seed, sixth seed, or whatever. Right. Sometimes second round, but yeah, like, it, it's a shame because people, they look at LeBron's career and all that he's accomplished, and especially in, you know, in the last decade, you know, in 2009, he's getting a lot of shit, right? But like, in this past decade, the whole script is flipped, right? So, with Melo, like, that never really switched until lately. Um, you know, last week people we were talking about Hoodie Melo, they're like, oh, really excited <laughs> to see Carmelo come back to the league. And what? And I was really happy that the Blazers made the move for him, I was like, all right, like, even if the Blazers miss the playoffs, you know, Melo deserves to have, like, at least some sort of, not like a, you know, it doesn't need to be like a farewell tour, just like, just so he can just play quietly, you know, he can just retire quietly in peace. You know? I agree. Yeah. And, you know,
0: we've seen, we know, based on history, that a lot of these guys, you know, can have career resurrections. I mean, Vince Carter, once he, Vince Carter, after he was, after he left the Nets, was still one of the was still one of the better shooting guards in the league and found his role. The guy played till he was, what, 43 years old or 44. You can find a role in this league if you understand, hey, I'm not who I once was, but I can still be something else. Vince was still savvy veteran. He knew how to shoot the three. Robert Parrish played till he was, what, 42? Yeah. And I've seen... Jordan I saw... Totally late too. Yeah. I saw... This is a game in 1996... When he was on the Bulls. He scored, I think, he was getting... He was guarding Shaq. Now, he, this is a 43-year-old Robert Parrish. And he's hitting fadeaway... He had three fadeaway jumpers on him in a row.
1: Was that, was that in the series against the Magic? It no, no. That was a, that was
0: Bulls-Lakers. It, it, watch this game. It's, I think it's December 29th 1996. It's one of the best Bulls games I've ever seen. It's Bulls-Lakers. Co- this is like Kobe's rookie year. So, Kobe didn't really play, but... One of my favorite unsung heroes of the 90s and early 2000s is Nick Van Exel. He's like... It, it, you've, we've seen Isaiah Thomas go ham. It's, it was like, it's like watching Isaiah Thomas. He's like the early version of it. He's the original Isaiah Thomas. Just the ability to go off. Make crazy shots. Fade away mid-range. I highly recommend it. It's one of the best I games ever. He a
1: little bit of Kyrie Irving in him, too. He did. And he had such a crazy handle. So it's amazing. Body control. Yeah. He and would make the most ridiculous like circus shots. He would. And... It was basically it became the Tony Kukoc game also because
0: Tony went off in the fourth quarter. But I highly recommend that if you YouTube it. You will love it. But let's move on a little bit. I do want to get to because we have big games today. We have the first game of the Eastern Conference Semifinals with the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors. We have game six for between the LA Clippers, the Dallas Mavericks, and of course the Denver Nuggets and Utah Jazz. First two games will be on ESPN. You can catch those at 12 p.m. Central Time and 2.30 Central Time. And the final game at 7.30 on TNT. So, how who are you liking in these series? Because I took Toronto ro- in my in our Eastern Conference, in our second round preview, we did it. Um, a little bit before we didn't put it up, but um, I Took the Raptors in six games due to Gordon Hayward's absence. I think that the Boston can still put up a fight, but I think the defense is going to
1: overwhelm them. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, six or seven games sounds like sounds pretty apt for the series. I, I gotta say, man, like I, you know, I have not watched much of like the Celtics this season up until the playoffs, and I gotta say, like the way they just dismantle Philly was really fascinating cuz you know they just they literally walked all over him like and there was a couple of games where there was pretty close but like i, I remember there was like a, there was a two point game with like three minutes left and it ended up, the final score was like an 11 point Celtics win or something i'm really impressed with the Celtics team they're not loud like they were last year you know they were very like uh, a lot of dysfunction last year season it's kind of really a hellish season last year um and I don't think that was just Kyrie. And I think that was just a, a, a factor of other things, and including Gordon Hayward coming back and everyone trying to get, you know, stealing minutes from each other. It's, it's it's just It was just an awkward season for them. So this year, you know, they're coming in with a little less pressure. It's very uh, – they're, they're very, like, confident in themselves as team. Like, they're very, like – they just know what to do. They know who to give it to. And, and Kemba Walker is just – again, he's a uh, perfect for, for that team. This is my favorite Celtics team in years, you know, I've, I've – you know, and, and I don't say that a lot. You know, I don't really like the Celtics that much. Um, so, like, I really like this team. And, uh, I've, you know, the Raptors, I mean, what can we say? They're defending champions. They're unbelievable. Um, they're probably – they might be the best defense in the bubble. Or, or the I would Celtics. say definitely the best
0: defense in the bubble right now. They have been playing the yeah. best defense for sure. But Lakers,
1: like the Lakers might – the were up there too. But, like, the, the Raptors, I mean, you know, you, you never count the defending champions until they're actually gone. So, you know, we all should know that by now. I
0: agree. And the crazy part is um, in that last series – was people forget that the guy who went off the most though was kind of unsung was Serge Ibaka which was averaging 19 to 10 in that series. I mean, he was going.
1: Ibaka always raising his game in the playoffs. He Maybe. does, and and you
0: know, that's from that experience. He was always raising it, especially in Oklahoma City. And the crazy part about this team is setting. First of all, I believe it was Game Four. They set an NBA record with 100 points off the bench. They scored 100 points off the bench. That's, that's when you know your team is loaded.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I mean, I think coming into the season, people thought the Raptors would be, you know, I, I thought that be, they'd be around five or six seed or something. like that. That's what I thought. Four or five seed. That's what I had. Yeah, and, and you had a lot of people saying that it'd be the eighth seed. I'm like, eighth seed, like this is the defending champions. No. Van Fleet's actually good, you know, like Van Fleet's a good player, and he's like, you know, I, I think he well, he comes off the bench, doesn't he? Yeah, he comes. Off
0: no, the he bench. comes. He's starting now. So starting they have, so they have. It's Kyle Lowry, and Fred Van Fleet in the backcourt, and he's averaging twenty-one and eight
1: right now in the playoffs. I mean the yeah. guy's going crazy and he's shooting
0: 56% from three.
1: That's incredible. It's
0: insane.
1: Van Vliet, Rockford Legend. Shout out to Van Vliet.
0: That man's gonna make a hundred million dollars or more this offseason for sure. That man is playing for a hundred
1: million dollars at least, and well, well deserved as well. I'm really i I'm really interested to see the Siakam how he's gonna play in this series, because this is gonna be like a, a really nice test for him. Uh, because these teams are very similar. They're like very much team-oriented teams, you know, very much like you know, it's not like the Rockets where it's just, like, two main guys and Lakers. It's like these are two, like, they're going to play within their system. So um, this is going to be a really exciting series. Yeah, I, I really do not have a pick now. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. If I had to pick, though, I, I would say the Rappers would win. Six or seven sounds about right, though.
0: My X factor in that series is going to be Marcus Smart. And the reason for that is Marcus has been – if Marcus Smart can start hitting his threes, I think that definitely changes the dynamic of this series because – you're going to have the ability—you're going to have the— Now, not everybody's going to—you're not going to be able to key on everybody because when you got three great scores and Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, especially Jason Tatum, it's going to be hard to key on all three of those guys because they're going to get their points. But if Marcus Smart is able to give them more than he's giving, because when you're shooting 13% from three, that's not going to help you. You can't have your one of your four, five best players on the floor, your best defender, arguably, next to Jalen Brown, shooting 13% from three, especially in today's game, you can't do that. Now, if he can hit even 30%, that changes the dynamic of the series completely. So my, I think that if Marcus Smart is able to add more offensively to the Celtics, I think they can definitely win this series.
1: Yeah, I can, I can see the Celtics winning this. I mean, because it seems like... Um... Now, at the risk of sounding like uh, you know like an ignorant Celtics hater or something like that, but it seems like Brad Stevens do- does a lot better with like these teams that are not like superstar driven. You know, like their teams are just kind of like a nice like fit with everyone. You know? A great Popovich kind of style. He doesn't need the best players in the world to
0: have the best results.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like he he seems to do well with like a uh, like overachievers. I should probably say, he he really overachieves like
0: teams. I agree. And that's, you know, some of the best guy, you know, you can look at an Eric Spolstra does that a lot, especially when yeah. LeBron left and were able to still win and he gets all these guys that develop these players very, very well. But that is the mark of a great franchise is the ability to
1: have your players evolve and take that next step in their development. Unlike the Chicago Bulls right now.
0: We're not getting into that.
1: Finally, like they're finally like erasing stuff. They're finally they're- like making moves where they're finally... Taking action and stuff like that, like uh, across off last season. We're just gonna forget that happened, you know? right? We all want to see. I think we can all agree. We want to see
0: teams like the Knicks and the Bulls do well, even the Knicks. We want to see them do well. It's not, it's unfortunate when two of the five biggest markets in the game of basketball suck. <laughs> they they, they, don't, yeah. they suck, yeah. like as they say, like, like for I think they used to say this in, um, they said this in Bad News Bears. Like, the, let's say the Bulls, win, like the Bulls won a few more games last year. They remember this line. They go, great! We went from suck to stink. Like, that's literally where they are right now. They have some nice players, but they all stink. And it's unfortunate yeah. when this is a continuing pattern, and it's almost like they were cursed the minute MJ left, and they were cursed the minute Patrick Ewing left. It's unfortunate, but I think everybody agrees. I think all NBA fans would agree. We all want to see...
1: The Knicks do good, the Bulls do good, everything. Because it's good for the league, too. The next person, like, the next, like, I guess maybe front office person, or maybe it's a player who really turns the Knicks franchise around, they're going to be a god. You know, like, whoever it's going to be who actually turns it around where they're become, they start making some great moves, and, you know, they jump out to, like, an amazing 11-0 start or something like that, you know? I got a feeling who it is. I think, yeah. he,
0: he, I think he's leaving the Lakers. I think that's his next stop. Mr. Mr. LeBron James, I think that's where he's going next. Oh, it just—you know what—they have that. that, You know, Leon Rose is there. They have the pieces in place. They have the ability to sign two max stars. You can easily move the pieces there to get it. You know, it's just the only thing that's going to stop it is James Dolan. I don't think he's going to want to play for James Dolan. That's the only reason why I'd say he's not going there. But it just makes the most sense for him to go because I don't think he's going to stay past this contract in L.A. And then I think he's going to go wherever his son plays. We all—he'll figure out a way to play with this kid. He's going to play with the son, and then he's going to call it a day. But that's my guess. I—I
1: well, I, I know, like people have been saying, like that—that that sentiment a lot. That's been going around a lot the last couple of years about why he went to the Lakers and the like that for four years. And um, I always wonder, though, like if he—you know—if he did decide to go to the Knicks, and then his son went to a team like uh, I don't know, like the Grizzlies or something. Uh, I think he'd be—he'd oh, be really content, even if they're just sharing the court together. You know, I, I think that's—I—I right. I, I was. Yeah, like more than that. That I think about him and LeBron and his son, that whole dynamic. I'm thinking like maybe LeBron just wants to play against the son. I don't know. But I think he wants to play first, with them,
0: but I think he does. I think he wants to be the first because they'd be the first player. They'd be the first oh, father son right. tandem. I think maybe ever to play like in the, the rookies. Yeah. So like the Griffies. Yeah, and I think that that's something he really wants to do. But I think he wants to play with this kid. And I think he, that's what he really wants. But it'd be interesting to see if he's if they're able to make that happen. Because as you know, the worst team. He's probably going to be. Who, who, we don't know what his ceiling is. We don't know what it his works, projection is. like a number
1: two pick or something. Yeah. Right. Like, he very well might be. But, you know. Amazing. yeah, he's, It'd be in. He... Highlights, obviously. <laughs> and obviously highlights can make you look amazing. But uh, from what I've seen, like some of the little bit I've seen, this guy can jump out of the gym and can shoot like Curry. He's going to have – he's definitely got
0: the potential to be a very – he's definitely probably got – he's got first round pick potential
1: in, depending on what
0: he does and where he goes to school. I'm not sure exactly where he's looking college-wise, but it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. But I want to move on to tonight's two matchups. We got one in the afternoon, of course, and one at night. And do we still do we think this is the end for Dallas now that Porzingis is gone? I say yes. I think they need Porzingis, but I'm not counting on Doncic. That guy's too good. I can't.
1: Something tells me, like since, since I think we, it's going like, seven. Once we got to uh, yeah, once we got to one and one right in the series game game three, it's tied at one. I was just like, this series is going to seven. Like, uh, I still think that's going to be the case. I think Dallas is going to find a way to win. Donchich is going to have another great game. Um, but then again, who? I, you, you never know. Because sometimes these game sixes, they don't go like you think. Remember the Bulls played the Cavs in game six? They got just blown out. Just to walk out of the gym. Uh, you know, A couple of years ago, there was another game six. Oh, the Rockets, right? James Harden set a terrible game six. So sometimes you you know, you just don't know. Other times you'll have an amazing game like the Bulls and Celtics. You'll have like a three overtime game that's just unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think Dallas is gonna find a way to to win this tonight.
0: I agree. I I you know the thing is the thing that people are not talking about is Tim Hardaway Jr. is having an absolutely phenomenal series. He's dropping yeah. almost twenty a game, which yeah. has they needed that third guy. And they have yeah. they found that third guy, it seems, in Tim Hardaway Jr. and it's been huge. And you know, not having Porzingis is really going to hurt them, I think. But at the same time, Dodgers and that team, they're so good. And they play so well cohesively. that they're, I don't see... They're not going down without a fight, that's for sure. And it was very disappointing to see them get blown out as bad as they did. You know, Paul George had a phenomenal game, and I think that's yeah, going
1: to... That the Paul George revenge game, you know, I think the Clippers came out and was like, we're going to stomp on these guys. I agree. And if Paul George is
0: going to... Put up numbers like similar to what he did in, in game five, it's gonna definitely prove to be a tall task for the yeah. Mavericks. But yeah, because
1: I, I have a feeling like I, I feel like George is gonna be just a little off today. I feel like he's just gonna be gonna because he had such an amazing game in game five. I think I could see a game where he's like eight of 20 today.
0: It still would be a decent game, but it's not it's like exactly bad, yeah. what you need. I don't expect him to go, th- what you, go three for 16 in game four. I don't expect that again, no. You know, when guys like this, they can go through a slump. We've seen Klay Thompson have slumps like that. I think in the Western Conference Finals uh, last year, he shot like 39% from the field. So it happens to the best of the play. to even the best shooters. It happens to him. If he's able to find a way to shoot even like 40 to 45% in this game, I would expect, I expect this game to be close. But I, I'm still, I'm going to pick Dallas in this one. But I think everybody around the league would love to see Dallas. Beat the Clippers. Okay, I think that I think everyone kind of does, except for Clippers fans and specifically Billy Crystal. I know he doesn't want to see it.
1: All all 14 Clipper fans. Yeah.
0: Speaking of which, shout out to Billy Crystal. That guy's been a Clippers fan forever. He has stuck through them forever. I love the else? dedication.
1: You know who else? Frankie Munez. Really? Yeah, because I remember when I was a kid and watching like something on TV. He was just like uh, he was talking about how the Clippers were cool and stuff like that. He was like, he was like, yeah, the Clippers. I feel bad for the Clippers. I'm rooting for the Clippers and something like that. Still? Brady Munez, Clippers fan. Gotta love him. He lives out in Scott. I think he lives in Scottsdale. Oh, also Stiller. Jeff Garland. That's Jeff? Really? Because, uh, yeah, because, you know, he, he comes in 670 every now and then or something like that or I don't know if it's 670. Oh, of or course or he does. does. I know. I've uh, listened but to But, yeah, like he, he talks about going to the Clipper games all the time. He's like, yeah, the Clippers are my team now or, like, they're my, uh, I, I don't know how you go. My nomadic team, my second team, I don't know, my, my West well, he's team. he's a Chicago
0: guy, so I'm guessing that is. Speaking of which, I don't know if you're a curb guy, but I cannot wait because we know the next season's going to be about covid. I just the fact Larry David and covid just sounds like a match made in heaven because you uh, no
1: it's just going to be that. The perfect. Yeah, like I, and I South Park. Certain, I mean, I think we all were, right? All Curve fans were at some point that this is like the perfect season for Curb, like this kind of setup we have right now. And I, I think they're actually working on it now. I wouldn't be surprised.
0: And then and then of course South Park.
1: I mean the season already wrote itself. Honestly, <laughs> tons of South Park this whole pandemic. I don't believe it. I've, like, found websites to just go back. i go to Comedy Center to be like, oh, is it on now? <laughs> so not, you know, uh, just, it really is, like, the, my opinion, one of the perfect cartoons because... Uh, oh, one like, of the best ever. Yeah, it's, like, very, like, uh, it's very much out there and it's also very much, like, correct.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. It's absolutely correct. And that's what makes it so good. And, you know, just... Unbelievable. It's been crazy, but knowing that we have that coming makes it a little bit easier dealing with all this crap that's going on right now.
1: Oh, man. Yeah.
0: But we got to talk about, we got one final matchup tonight. We got the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz, and this has been a phenomenal series. Been back and forth. Utah now up 3-2. Donovan Mitchell though and Jamal Murray have really been taking their games to different heights in the series. It's been a different guy every time. Donovan Mitchell's averaging thirty seven and a half points per game, but I mean, I, the thing I'm really impressed really
1: by—Michael Jordan series—he like, really
0: is. I mean, and my, that's very similar to Michael Jordan numbers, which is even crazier considering that this is more of a wide open game, and Michael was putting up those numbers and shooting like eight threes the whole series.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I've been, I've been. Like, Last, like, uh, I don't know I don't know what it is, but in the playoffs, Mitchell is really, like, that's another guy who, who kind of raises his game in the playoffs. I know last year they, they kind of got blanked by the Rockets. but Two years ago, right, they beat the Thunder, and they had, like, just that crazy, uh, you know, Joe Ingles was just doing really well against Paul George. Um, and Donovan Mitchell, like, somebody, you know, he, he's, he's like a little bit of Dwayne Wade and a little bit of Lillard.
0: I can see that. Yeah, I get a lot of Dwayne Wade from his game, a lot of
1: Dwayne Wade. Yeah, and he and I got the Lillard because he's he's got a good three point shot. His form is a little similar, Um, and you know he's he's just kind of scorer at will, you know.
0: So for me, the I think what everyone's interested in is what is you know the thing that is going to be interesting is who else is going to step up for Denver because it's been the Jokic and Jamal Murray show, and only two other guys are scoring. 10 over 10 points a game right now. Jeremy Grant, Michael Porter Jr., everyone else is kind of playing their role. But do you think that they're they're going to be able to continue this role of just the Jamal Murray and Jokic show, especially if they're able to somehow win the next two games and get to the second round? And Utah, it's been working with Jordan Clarkson, who has been going absolutely bonkers in this series as it's well.
1: It's amazing. Yeah, Clarkson's been unbelievable.
0: But the thing is they've got four legit guys who have been their options in these series. You've got Mike Conley has been playing like Mike Conley, shooting 59% from three, 23 points four assists a game, Rudy Gobert averaging almost 17.5 and 10, and then you got Jordan Clarkson averaging 19. So, I mean, looking forward, we see Utah has it, but where is that going to come from if Denver is going to somehow win these next two games? How are they going to be able to... They're the three seed, right? Denver's the yeah, 3. it's a 3-6, yeah. Right. So, you're going to get in that second round. you got a two-man game. Who's going to be that third guy? Is it going to be... Jer- Jeremy Grant's not known as a scorer. Michael Porter Jr., I think, is a very poor man's Kevin Durant. He's not going to... He's to be still young. He's, he's still young. A
1: rookie season. You're asking too much for the for, you know? I'd agree. So are, third guy.
0: so, are we saying that even if Denver... So, are we saying, based on that, if Denver's able to somehow come out of this... Are they a one-and-done team, just based off that? Because they've only got a two-man game really going right now. And A two-man game is nice, but Clippers, Pat Bev can give you some points. Montrezl Harrell's able to give you a double-double every night. And then, of course, you've got Lou Williams can drop 30-35 to at any given time. So they've got that third guy, and they can even have the fourth or fifth guy. When you've only got two guys really giving you that stepping up like that, it's going to give you problems. And even they also got Marcus Morris on L.A., yeah. So they've got four or five guys, but when you only have two guys, do you really think that's gonna uh, recipe for success? I don't think so. No, I mean like I mean
1: like not not at all. I mean like we have because usually when like us, we don't usually see much success with like a center as a first option, do we? I mean I guess Jamal Murray's been the first option in this series.
0: When was the last time we saw a team go to the fu- the last time we saw a team go to the finals with the a center as the number one option was the Orlando Magic. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah, and and that was like that that was kind of like a. I don't know if you want to call that, like, an anomaly because they were just on fire that whole, like, May or June or They're whatever. Shit, like, 42% uh, from three the whole boy, side. He was, like, amazing on defense and, like, everything. He, he was, like, he, he was, like, amazing at his game, you know? Uh, put back dunks and alley-oops and that kind of thing. Blocking shots to third row or whatever. Um, but, yeah, like, Jokic, he's just too passive, man. I don't know what it is, man. Like, yeah, I just feel like he's a little too passive. Like... You know, like he's had, he's been having this issue this last couple of years too. Like people have been saying, you know, these criticisms last year in the playoffs and stuff like that. And he played pretty well in the playoffs last season. But I just feel like there's just like a, some parts where I'm just like, all right, yeah, like he'll, he'll go to the rim like really strong. He'll make like a great play. Uh, you know, just so like he'll, he'll dunk it or whatever. And it'll be like a very strong finish. But other plays, he'll just kind of like, he'll just keep moving it around, you know. And I know that's very important to get your teammates involved, especially early in the game and, you know, when, when games slow down or whatever. But, you know, and I hate, I hate when people say, like, killer and stuff like that. But he kind of needs that, I guess. I don't know. He, he, he just needs to be, like a, little, just like, a little more aggressive, especially when the game, like, slows down.
0: I agree. You know, I think also the, for him to have the ability, for him to be able to put up the numbers that he has, especially with Rudy Gobert, I think that's, that's one of the things is that he's sticking more outside. He's, he's shooting seven threes a game. He's getting inside when he can, when he gets those mismatches in the post when Gobert has to switch off. And he's able to produce, but when Gobert's on him and he's down low, he's not getting any buckets. And I remember when he went for the layup in before the overtime in Game 1, I was thinking to myself, why is he taking that shot? It's not... I mean, you're, you know it's getting contested, and he's not a jumper, so you know he's not going to really be able to elevate. And, you know, I thought, right there, you get... Jamal Murray had, I think, 50 points in that game. So... It it didn't really make sense to me. I understood why he took it because he wasn't looking for the shot and it was like two seconds left. So I understood why he had to drive. But, you know, I think Jokic has been very aggressive. But I think he's been also aggressive by necessity because, you know, Will Barton's not there as well. Will Barton takes some of the edge off because of his ability to slash and drive the rim and also shoot the three. And Jamal Murray's had to take on an extra role as well I mean, Jokic is averaging almost 20 shots a game, which is far beyond his normal level of shots. I mean,
1: and he was... And really, now was wrong. <laughs> that He has been very aggressive in terms of shooting.
0: I mean, his last three games before the playoffs began, the most shots he took was 11. Yeah. He's only taken over 20 shots two times in the bubble, and he's taken it now. He's, he's taken it almost three out of... Four out of the five games that they've played so far. And the only game he didn't was last game when he took 19. So he they've had to carry this extra load for all five games. And I think eventually you get to a point where you run into a team like the Clippers if you do get to the next round where you're going to run into a bevy of problems because they have so many guys that can switch on you. Because if you've got a guy like even Kawhi can switch on, Jokic Montrez Harrow can switch on. Pat Pat Banff is not gonna give him a ton of problems, but he's gonna be able to move with him and he can swipe the ball. So it's the fact you've only got a two-man game going, how long can you sustain that? I don't see how you're gonna be able to, unless Michael Porter Jr. is just gonna come out of nowhere and pull out the Superman cape.
1: Yeah, and, and like you need to have like those two guys playing really well, and then everyone else like playing good enough, you know? And that's just this series it's just been too much to ask for the Nuggets. So I think Utah's going to win tonight. I agree. I mean, this has been my favorite series thus far because I've been so surprised at how amazing the Jazz have been looking. Uh, even in their losses, they've been looking great.
0: The Jazz are a sneaky good team. You know, I they they could. Def- I think they're going to make. They can definitely make some noise against the Clippers because in the bubble, you know what? This is a different, a completely different kind of playoffs. Everybody's playing now, and everyone's practicing every day. And everyone ca- doesn't have to. Altitude series too. Right. I mean, they're not playing with the altitude. That's true, too. And now, you know, you don't have to travel. You don't have to travel every day. Guys are not as tired. And I think that easily plays a key factor in the way guys are able to step up because now the games are much more competitive. And I think that's why we're seeing even games also starting to. We're seeing the scoring increase. It's because guys are able to practice every day. Guys are not having to fly at 3 o'clock in the morning and then land at like 4 o'clock in the morning. Like they get on a plane at 1 o'clock, they land at 4, and then they got practice at 12 o'clock. You know, it's a completely different scenario, and it really benefits the players. And I think the quality of play has
1: significantly increased as a result as the season has gone along in the bubble. Something something semi-related to that, I guess. Because I've been seeing some people... Uh, some analysts and stuff like that who maybe even like not even just analysts but even like radio hosts or whatever they'll be saying stuff like um, like oh wow like uh it's such an offensive league now and like you know people are playing pretty good defense but the offense just keeps winning every you know every time i feel like that's not really new though i feel like every year in the playoffs we're reminded that people like will really like it it feels like the offense is just so much better in the playoffs it is like they'll just make shots over like just impossible shots and it's just like wow, you know, it seems like, you know, is it the defense that's, like, not as good as the No, it's like the offense is just always better. Like, the offense just always making shots is, like, these unbelievable shots. And, you know, we always forget that these are pros, you know, when they're going through the motions sometimes. That's like, you know, it, it's nothing for them, you know? So, so, like, when we see them make, like, a nice, like, kind of like a scoop move through some guys so, like, nonchalantly, I'm just like, wow, that was really creative. And like that's like a move that they practice all the time, and like that, those are the moves that we see like that more creativity of getting shots like, through people in the playoffs, you know.
0: The game has evolved to such a point where you, when you have guys like Anthony Davis, 6'11", 6, 6, 6, who have point guard dribble skills. I mean, it's, it makes me think. It's like imagine if like Hakeem would like had, was you know putting you know, doing crossovers and step back threes. I mean, just ima- which he could, he had that good of footwork. I think yeah. he could. Or imagine like Will. Who, by the way, to me, Giannis is the closest thing of Wilt that we see in modern times to me. Just the, the style of game they have, the ability to just elevate the way he does in Euro. It reminds me so much of him. You know, I just think to myself, like, imagine Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain doing crossovers on guys. I mean, yeah. just Euro stepping to the I
1: don't. I don't I'm, I'm sure you've seen that video of, like, Bill Russell coming down like he just jumped over. Oh, my line, God!
0: Line. I'm sure it was insane! That. Yeah. Yeah, he's nice. just, he's going like, dude, he's just dribbling, like, you know, it's like 60s basketball. But then he jumps over the guy. He <laughs> boy, jumps over boy, him for the layup. Through the guy, yeah. I mean, and then, I'm sure you've seen the one where, well, he's dribbling down the court. He just flips, he just, no look passes, and then just oh, yeah. shots, shoots it out of the glass. Those guys were modern-day athletes playing in an era with 50s technology, 50s knowledge of how to train, um, Modern medicine, everything. I mean, put those guys in now, who knows what they could be doing. Now, I doubt they'd be getting as many rebounds, but I mean, if they they were putting up those numbers back then. But if you put them in a modern era, I still think they would have just as much success because time evolved. But athletes are athletes in any era. You know, with modern day training, those guys can become twice as athletic as they were then because they have the proper training techniques.
1: Yeah, like, I was having this argument with a friend maybe, like, a couple months ago, and we're talking about, like, uh, maybe, like, our all-time lineup or something like that. And, and like, we'd pick a year, and the year would be, like, 1994 or something like that. So just pick your all-time lineup, and they could be players from today. I think my point guard was, like, I, I had, like, Curry or something like that in there, and then I said, like, I just have to get, you know, get, once we get to the centers, right, once we get to the centers, my friend picks Wilt Chamberlain, and I'm like, all right, that's a good point. Um, I'll pick Bill Russell. You know, because I I need defense, you know, and I want to have... I'd take Akeem, because it's just...
0: Now we're thinking 90s, 80s, and 90s. Bill, I agree, would probably be definitely up there, but... If you watch Akeem on the block, I've never seen something that beautiful in my life. Yeah,
1: Akeem is a great one. Akeem is, yeah, like, he he does on both sides.
0: Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, it's just fun to see... It's fun to watch the game now, because we see the elevate, the evolution... Of the skill set, of everybody, everybody can, dri- everybody's got good ability to dribble. Although we don't really see Rudy Gobert do it, but still, you'll see video of Mitchell Robinson doing step backs and doing crazy dribble moves in, in you know, like off the- like that. Yeah, like when he's at the practice that gym they go to in New York City, where everybody makes, everybody's making every shot. You know, it's, you know, it's amazing to see these guys be able to do that and how the game has evolved. Now, back in the day, I'm sure they had the ability to do that. But they didn't really practice it as much because it wasn't called for. Like, Michael Jordan never shot a three in practice. It wasn't part of his game. Now, when he had to, he could. The crazy part is he shot 40% from three in the 92 and 93 finals, and he never shot a three in practice. But when when he was called upon to do those things, he was able to do it. And, you know, if he played today, he'd probably be working on his dribble just like Harden, and he'd be working on shooting long-distance threes. Because that's what the game calls for when it evolves the way it does. And your ability to stress the floor is a necessity to really take your game to the next level if you're a 2 or a 1 or even a 3.
1: Yeah, I never understood that. When people said that Michael Jordan, like, you know, even though he was kind of, like, an average or, like, Chill. kind of a mediocre 3-1 shooter or something like that, and especially, like, in his early years. But, like, I, I, I would understand because, like, Michael Jordan has, like, amazing touch. So like, what what makes you think he wouldn't be like at least decent at threes? Like he, he was, go,
0: yeah, fuck. he was one of the poor jump shooters. Like if you look at his jumper, his rookie year, it's you know he's shooting basically with one hand, and that was yes. the weakness of his. He was not good from outside, but then you see like five years later, he's the best shooter in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean yeah. that I like what Ke- um, Kenny Smith said. He said Michael Jordan's the only guy I've ever seen turn all of his weaknesses into his biggest strengths. He said he's, ne- he's seen guys turn weaknesses and get better at it and turn their strengths into their even bigger strengths. He's never seen a guy like Michael who didn't have a great left hand. He wasn't good with his left hand. He dominates with his left. He, and he's able to dunk with his left. He'll so go in for left hand dunk. He's not a good shooter. He becomes the best mid range scorer and arguably the best shooter in the league. And it just goes to show dedication to developing your skill when the game calls upon it. And then Michael's game at the end of his career became between 12 and 20 feet. That was what he did. Now, he would drive, of course, and that was part of it, but his ability to score primarily was from that mid-range game. And it's the ability to shoot that has led to so many, such longevity in all careers. Steve Kerr, Ray Allen, um, let me think. I mean, Peja Stoyakovich, another example, yeah, Kyle totally. Korver. You know, as long as you're able to shoot that three and you're able... You can be a three-point specialist even in the '90s. Though they needed guys like that, guys like Mark Price were able to ha- be great players because they were such marksmen from three and were able to sustain that. Mahad Abdul raouf wasn't a very high-volume shooter, but the guy could light you up when he needed to.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I was actually like you know watching like those old Nuggets games, or I know he played for the Kings for like a minute, but. Like, in watching some of the games that Abdul-Rov play, I'd, I'd be kind of disappointed that they wouldn't go to him more because yeah he had such a great – he had he had literally, like he, – he's kind of like CJ McCollum or, like, any other small guard where they have, like, every move in the book.
0: Yeah, or, like, Steph Curry kind of. And yeah. we saw how good he was in the big three when he started playing in the big three. He was crazy, but yeah. – or, like, we look at – still, love it to death. I saw Joe. just went – oh, my God. Like, to, <laughs> we really surprised was, he was the best was player in the league. also great. Are we really surprised that Iso Joe goes to the big three and he's scoring like 28 a game? Are we really surprised by that? No. It's Iso Joe. Like, we know the guy can play. Still pissed off we didn't sign him in 2010. I'm still pissed off.
1: Yeah, I honestly, like more of it, because I've been thinking about that one too, and I'm like, that would have been a really, really nice guy.
0: So we would have had, so the lineup would have probably been Joe Johnson, Derrick Rose, Luol Deng, Taj Gibson, Joe Kim Noah. I think that's yeah, enough Boozer,
1: to, probably. Oh well, yeah. Of, we wouldn't have signed uh, yeah, Boozer. We wouldn't, enough, we
0: wouldn't have enough. We wouldn't have had enough money. But right. it was either between Boozer and Joe, probably Joe Johnson. We might have been able to sign Boozer, you know. But give me Joe Johnson over Boozer, and then you've got Taj, who can still provide that scoring, and then you've got three amazing defenders down low. You've got three amazing defenders, and then you got Joe Johnson to keep the scoring off Derrick Rose. I don't see they probably beat Miami that first year. At least I always thought that team was good enough to
1: be. Honestly, yeah, I I mean, I I think that's a good point because, like, Joe Johnson, like, remember, like, 2011 playoffs? He played really well against the Bulls. I remember one, like, remember game one? He played really, really well. And I remember being like, wow, this guy, like, he's just a killer, man. Like, he's he's just destroying us. I always, you know, we all know Joe Johnson was always really good at scoring. But, man, like, in that, like, his scoring, like, threat like it kept going until 2017 right till he retired yeah and but
0: that's what makes some of these guys that's why joe johnson who do you think he's a hall of famer
1: no no he's he's, he's like one of those guys who's really like a good. step below oh, very good
0: like an alan houston kind of like a larry johnson yeah, like iguodala like Iguodala's yes that's
1: kids. a good one iguodala is another case where like he might he probably will get in the hall of fame right because he was the warriors you think so? I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. He might. I think that's a good
0: argument to be made for Iggy getting to the Hall of Fame because he was such a key figure, and I think he definitely, there's, de- he's he definitely. Yeah,
1: he's like the line of, like, Hall of Very Good.
0: Yes, I would agree with that. Like, the Hall, like that line of Very Good to Hall of Fame player. I, I would agree. That's kind of a good one. Oh, by the way, so let me just give you a rundown of, my, this is a Michael George, this is the 1990 Easter Conference Semifinal. Michael Jordan shot 39% from three, 9-23, so not bad. 43 points a game, 6.5 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 steals and a block a game.
1: That was his stat. I mean, like, everyone talking about the emphasis of three-point shooting, but we had guys like Giannis who, like, doesn't shoot that much. And he, Giannis, actually, surprisingly I mean, he's enough... Positive. He's a willing shooter, too.
0: Giannis, surprisingly enough, is actually... And this is why I'm actually really excited, and this could be very interesting, is Giannis has really stepped up from the three-point line. And actually, I want to get your thoughts on that series because um, I personally am terrified that they're going to lose this series because Miami can beat them. And I'm very, very nervous. But the interesting thing about Giannis is he's shooting 35% from three in the playoffs right now. And I think as an NBA fan, just understanding that this man is now shooting that well should scare everybody. But one thing I think that should make people, should at least give people a little bit like, hmm, what's going on? Chris Middleton has been struggling. And he has not been, and once again, he has not quite been the same guy that I've known. And it's concerning. He has stepped up in the last couple of games, but shooting under 45% in all three games, and... His three-point shooting has helped, but I think, you know, the one thing that's interesting is that he's averaging 23 a game against Miami. But his shooting average is only, th- a guy who's 50-49 in the regular season, only shooting about 43.5% against Miami in those games. And, of course, Giannis, the worst shooting percentage he had was against Bam Adebayo, And now you've got Iggy to put up. You've got multiple guys you can put on him. What I wanted to get your thoughts on that series. Who do you have and why?
1: Yeah, I... This is this is another tough one. The Eastern... Like, all these series are going to be tough to, to
0: jump I'm so excited. Like, they're all really good. They are. This is probably... This is one of the best second, second rounds round. I've... In recent memory. This might be the best in the last five years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I remember a couple of years ago we were all thinking like, oh, we're going to have a great second round. And then it never really happened because of injuries or something like that. Or maybe right. a team that we thought would make it didn't didn't make it. But this is a tough one because... I, you know, I, I'm very high. I've, I've, I've been very high in the Bucks like all season, but I also think that they're under the most pressure because, you know, they haven't really like, they haven't really won anything yet. You know, they, they, they've been number one seed back-to-back years. Sounds kind of familiar. The Chicago Bulls were like that. Um, and they have like a, a the the main difference is obviously between the Bulls and the Bucks here, two-time MVP now and a defensive player of the year. And who is the same guy. And, as well as the system is also like way more offensively. uh, It's not like, you know, just one guy, you know, like, you know, and, and, you know, the Bucks might've had that problem a few years ago, like 2017 or something like that. with just like, just going to rely on Giannis and maybe Middleton, but now they have like a whole system and a great, you know, just a great style of play. And Brooke Lopez, like I, I am so, so impressed with Brooke Lopez's like, like this revival in the last three years.
0: You know, I mean, when he got to um, Milwaukee, and shout out to him because he could have easily gotten $20 million a year if he really wanted to. He yeah. decided to go to Milwaukee on a and stay for way less money, and the guy has evolved into a premier shot-blocking big in the league. I mean, I, th- I believe he was second or third in blocks per game this year, and... You know, but one thing about Brook that's so impressive is the guy was not even a three-point shooter until 40 years ago. And now he takes – he's – I'll see the guy chucking up 27-footers
1: two or three times a game. Incredible. Because I remember like seven years ago, the Bulls played the Nets, right? That Nate Robinson game. Remember that Nate Robinson
0: game? Oh, I remember that like it was yesterday. Oh, yeah. When he hit, when he
1: hit that runner off the glass, like just yeah. – he's like hey. – That was unbelievable. Uh, but, but One of the best uh, games I've ever seen. remember the shot clock was winding down, Lopez made a huge three at the shot clock winding down. And I remember, uh, you know, the announcer was like, oh my goodness, Lopez makes the three, you know, and now it's just like, Lopez, another three, you know, that's the sixth of the game. <laughs> I so, mean... Yeah, like, I, I love seeing someone who, like, totally changes their game like that. Like, he went inside to outside.
0: You know what, when the game calls for adapt- adaptation, when it calls for adapting to the game, You know, he was able to do that. And I'm sure he was practicing those threes in practice. I'm sure he was. Oh, yeah. You know, it was just a different game because until Golden State came along, your big men didn't shoot. You had the Dirks, You had the Dirks, You had Pau Gasol. But Pau Gasol shot, what, maybe one a game? Very rarely did you see a stretch four or a stretch five on every team. And now you have to be a stretch four or a stretch five on every single team. Like, the only two guys really I can think of in the last, before that, that were really shooting threes were guys like Vucevic and maybe Dirk. I mean, that was really about it. You never really saw bigs who were routinely shooting threes. And now it's almost an absolute necessity for your big man to routinely shoot three, four, even five threes a game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've, now, when it comes to like this prediction, I have no idea because I know you are very, like, you've watched the Bucks like, all season. And seeing, hearing you saying that they're very scared because, like, because I have, I don't think I've seen that matchup. I don't think I've seen the game. Like, I've seen them,
0: and it's so. they're the here's the, they match up in terms of matchups. The worst matchup for the Bucks is the Miami Heat.
1: It is. Would you, but so so? Would you say the Heat have the edge, or would you say it's like it's like the most equal?
0: I would say it's the most equal because in okay. terms of depth,
1: they both have the same amount of
0: depth. Miami has more shooting. Now the Bucks have shooting. But in terms of more quality shooters, the Miami Heat have more quality shooters. They have multiple wing defenders they can throw at you. they got Jay Crowder. they got Iguodala. They have Jimmy Butler. They have even Bam. Can You can throw Bam at Giannis very easily. He only shot 36% from the field when Bam guarded him. It was by far the worst percentage he had.
1: How would you compare him to last year's Raptors?
0: I would say they're similar, but I would say that the Raptors were a far superior defensive team. Though Miami is a... I would say... This Miami team, they I would say Jimmy is a step below in terms of the ability to really take over a game like Kawhi. Because Kawhi's dropping 33 a game. Jimmy Butler's not going to drop 33 a game in the playoffs. He might give you 25, but he's not going to drop 33. Kawhi's at a different level. So it's kind of like a poor man's Kawhi almost Miami Heat-led team. They don't have a Paul George, but they have multiple guys that can go off. But the question is, who is that, who is that guy? And they don't. And it's a different guy every night, which is which is good for them. But at some point, Kendrick not only averaged what seven points a game in the first round.
1: These guys are super young. Like it's, it's like, a, like I mentioned, it's a lot of pressure for some of the you know like Duncan Robinsons and and like. But they seem to be
0: able to take it really well, and they seem to be a team like. And I think Jimmy has that team with a different mentality and. Yeah. Not yeah, to mention,
1: they're they're an attitude team for sure.
0: They are. I mean, they've got their two best scores are clearly Gordon Dragic and Jimmy Butler. Gordon Dragic is averaging twenty three a game right now in Another the playoffs. Another guy
1: who is very underrated,
0: very underrated. And the thing I think that's interesting is I don't expect Jimmy to shoot that many threes, but Jimmy right now is shooting fifty seven percent from three in the playoffs. But he's only shooting like thirty three percent inside the three point line, which is so he's shooting fifty seven percent from three. He's shooting under forty one percent from the field. Which is an enigma. I've never seen something like that before. That's crazy. It is crazy. So that tells me Jimmy's having his struggles, and that could prove a problem. You know, but this team is so loaded. You know that this could easily be a toss-up. This is a team on a mission, Miami. They might be the toughest out that the Bucks have in the Eastern Conference because I have them beating. I think they're going to beat Toronto in six games. I'd have them beating Toronto in six games far and away because. During the regular season, the Raptors, just, they didn't have enough to beat the Bucs. The Bucs always found a way. They would stay in the game, but then the fourth quarter, the Bucs would pull away. And I don't see that changing. Whereas Miami, every time they played the Bucs, it's a basketball game. Every time they're in the game. They pulled away in the fourth quarter against the um, the Heat And that game they played before the playoffs started. Jimmy Butler wasn't playing. And for the first half of that game, they were crushing the Bucs. And I remember dr- I was driving to, because I did the Bucks and one for the, I did the post game on 94.5 ESPN for Milwaukee. And I'm listening to this game and I can just slowly hear, okay, it's 19, it's 17, it's 14. And I'm thinking, they're going to blow them out of the water. They're going to win this game. And right when I got there, it was a three-point game for the Bucks. I'm like, okay, this game's over. And then it turned out to be a 15-point win. But when I see Miami be able to put pressure on them, and get out to these fast starts because they're so good at shooting. Number one shooting team in the NBA. The best way, and really the only way teams have been able to beat the Bucks is to shoot over 40% from three. And this is the best shooting team in the league. So this is definitely going to be a matchup nightmare for Milwaukee. And I know this is in the back of their minds too. And with Chris Middleton struggling the way he is shooting from the field, this could be a very long, grueling series for the Bucs. And I think Miami anticipates that, knows they're vulnerable, and it's kind of like Rocky in the fifteenth round against Apollo. Like he throws that first left hook, and all of a sudden, holy crap! I've got him on the ropes. Milwaukee's on the ropes, whether or not people want Bucks fans want to admit it or not, they are on the ropes. I
1: I totally agree. I've I've been saying like you know, like I mentioned before, like I think they're under the most pressure because because they're the best team in the league until you know the shutdown, right? Right. And they had home court home court advantage. I thought that was very like. I thought that was very important for the Bucs. I don't know how important it is for like the fans over there, but I thought that was that was kind of a big deal because like they were the best team in the league and they're certainly looking like they're just going like, to you know have home court in every series and you know make it to the finals. But now that they lost all that, um, at but like you know at the same time you're really selling me on Miami because like at like they're a very good defensive team like you mentioned. You mentioned they're the best shooting team, but a lot of young guys too. So like I'm not sure because like no pressure. Like, there's no pressure. All the pressure's on Milwaukee. No pressure on Miami. Yeah, you're right because, like, yeah, no pressure because we're, you know, they're they're in a, an empty arena, basically, and yeah, like, you know, no one's really a home team, I guess. So yeah, I mean, like, you're really selling me on, on this Heat team here. I, I just I really do not know where to go. I it's a toss-up for me. Now. I've
0: got the Bucks. I've got the Bucks in seven because I think Bucks. in the end Giannis is going to prove far and away he is the MVP for a reason. And I think Giannis. I think Giannis is also taking it personal. People are like. Bam's gonna shut you down, and I think he's gonna go ham. I think he's gonna throw a couple of also just
1: like yams on this dude. Like, just like the flashbacks to last year, where like Giannis did so much for the Bucks, but they just came a little short. I mean, after going up 2-0, and, and like everyone, in, that game went to double overtime, right? That like game three. Yeah, I believe I so. Three zero, man. Like, like I, I think that I think that series haunts him. So you know, it does. Very interesting to see how he how he comes up this.
0: Uh, I, I remember them talking about that in a post-game interview a few weeks ago, and they said, you know, we never forgot that last year we felt like um, at at 2-0 we were going to the finals. They got cocky. And this year they said our approach has been we can always get better. Even when they were like at 15, 12, they're like, we can still get better. And the fact that they had that mentality of, hey, Just because we're the best team in the league does not mean we can't get better every single game. Having that mentality, I think, is key. And they've been struggling pretty much since March on. They haven't been quite the same team. And I think that is cause for concern. But, you know, there have been positives. Giannis is shooting better from the field. He's shooting better from three. Other guys are stepping up. Kyle Korver has been absolutely fantastic in his time, in the time that he plays. He averages about a point every two minutes for the Bucs in the playoffs. And he's, you know, typical Kyle Korver, forty percent from three, you know, shooting about forty. He's, you know, he didn't really have a big game in Game Five, but when he's called upon, I believe in um, the last game before they went to the ball, before they went to the playoffs, I think he had twenty-four points. So Korver's still able to put up those numbers, and they have so many different guys that can spread the floor because they have Giannis, the ability, because God, they will go and double Giannis in the post. And then they just start passing the ball on the, around the perimeter because it's Giannis is the only guy inside. And then they're able to spread the floor because they're going to go double Giannis in the post because they know he's either going to step to the rim, spin on you, or give you that post fade. And they don't want to do that. It's the amazing thing is they'd rather give up a three than let Giannis get to the rim. Which is the craziest thing ever. I, I just You don't see that. They're like, we'd rather give up three points, a wide-open three, than give up a two. Because they know he's gonna dunk it.
1: I guess like they'd rather take that chance, right? And hopefully they miss it. Uh,
0: yeah, but the interesting thing before I point that I was talking about, both teams currently are shooting thirty nine percent from three. They have the same three point percentage, thirty nine point one percent. Both of these teams, the Bucks shoot are making sixteen out of forty threes per game, and the Miami Heat are accordingly shooting thirteen. The Miami Heat are actually shooting are making th- almost four, three fewer threes a game than uh, the Bucks right now. And they're actually scoring, I believe, based on that, just a little bit less than Milwaukee. They're at about, right now, Milwaukee's scoring about 116, Miami about 111. So I think, overall, they're playing about the same pace. And I think, just looking at this from a matchup perspective, this is a toss-up, I feel like, because they're so well-matched. They both shoot the three really well. The only difference is, one of them got gotten honest, the other one doesn't. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the X Factor.
1: Yeah. Not, may not be a fun series for them, but it will be for us.
0: <laughs> well, Hami, I, mean, I
1: got to say, we covered a lot today. And... Thank you so much for having me, man. Uh, this is a great podcast. Uh, well, we'll talk again soon, man. Absolutely.
0: And you remember, you guys can check us out on Spotify and on iTunes. And also, don't forget our friend Adam Shalif, who also has his podcast, Running with the Bulls. You can get that on the podcast app if you have the iPhone as well. Well, I want to thank you guys once again for listening. I'm Josh Square, and this is my friend, Hami Arrain. Thank you all, folks, and have a great week and a great Sunday.